The Lord be with you. And also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who, persecute, who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we kick off a new sermon series called Destiny. And we're going to be wrapping up the end of the church year over the next four weeks as the church year concludes on Christ the King Sunday, which is November 24th this year. And throughout the series, we're going to focus on the end. Rather, as we believe in Christians, the, the beginning. The beginning of our eternal life with Christ. And what does that mean and, and what does that look like? And we hope to shed some answers on this great truth and hope we have. And that begins today on All Saints Day. All Saints Day is actually November 1st, so it was, it was Friday, the day after All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween. The Eve of all the Holy Ones is what it means, which is to say, the Eve of All Saints' Day. So October 31st, Halloween, is a lot like Christmas Eve but preparing us for All Saints Day. Now, the the tone of All Saints Day is a little bit more solemn than the tone of Christmas, more subdued, because this is the day we remember all those who have gone before us in the faith, especially over the past year. Those who are already experiencing the bliss that we're all destined for in Christ. And it's interesting that today, then, All Saints Day, we would read the gospel, which is the Beatitudes, a familiar reading in the church, but kind of odd pairings, if we're honest with ourselves, to a normal person. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, who are merciful, who are clean of heart, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted. If the world was given the opportunity to rewrite the Beatitudes, it would probably be more like, blessed are those who, who have joy, blessed are those who are strong, blessed are those who are, are full and well-fed, blessed are those who are winners, blessed are those who experience life to the fullest, blessed are those who have gotten ahead, blessed are those who survive. Yet to each strange Beatitude, there's a promise God makes that matches up with them, such as blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. A fitting beatitude for today because today is a day we are called to mourn. Specifically, those we no longer get to see every day. But the promise is those who mourn will be comforted. And that's what we need, isn't it? 
Not for mourning to disappear. Sometimes we wish we could just, we could just wish it away. But to find comfort. And the comfort we receive can only come from the hope we have in Christ, not from any words we speak or any accomplishments of mankind. Think of even in your own mourning some of the phrases or things people said, well-meaning phrases, but they just kind of fall flat. They're in a better place now. Got to work good out of this. It could have been much worse. At least they're not suffering. And while all those are well-meaning, they fail to bring comfort. Because the person we love still is not there. And we know it's wrong. We know it's all wrong. We know know this whole death thing is wrong. We weren't made to die. Yet here we are, each and every one of us, waiting for our last day. Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is death. God made man to enjoy eternal union. With him. And our brother and sister, Adam and Eve, and every subsequent generation instead chose sin and chose death, chose themselves. And throughout the scriptures, we see that sin leads to separation, a cutting off, which is a form of death because it eventually leads to death. After the fall, God no longer walks with Adam and Eve in the garden. Cain kills Abel and then is cast out of the presence of his family. Man is so divided and violent against each other, God brings the flood. And not long after, Noah and his family make landfall. It's his son Ham who runs off with his family to do their own thing. His whole family lineage forsaking the one true God who saved them. And you go to the Tower of Babel and again, they're scattered, the people. Or you go to the twins, Esau and Jacob, and how they are separated And Joseph being separated by his brothers when they sell him into slavery and ship him out to Egypt. And that's only Genesis. And we see God work so tirelessly to bring these people back together, to unite them, to restore their communion. Not by ignoring the hurts and the wrongs and the brokenness and the sin, but by healing them. He doesn't ignore it. He restores it. Because separation is death. That's what sin causes. I was, I was watching. There was a quote I overheard this week in a video game trailer, if you can believe it. And it struck me and stuck with me all week. I couldn't get rid of it. And it was this. To die is no different than to live alone. To die is no different than to live alone. And I thought long and hard, is that true? The quote made me think about C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. Anyone read it? Yay. I see like three people. Last night and this morning we had one at each service. Okay, so we've got like five people in the congregation that read this book. Great Divorce. The Great Divorce is about a group of, of residents of hell who take a field trip to heaven. But what I want to focus on is how... Lewis depicts hell. Most of us are familiar with Dante's version of hell. There's multiple circles. It's very overcrowded. There's a lot of screaming, pain, gnashing of teeth. And it's a pretty horrible time. And most of the West largely speaks and view, views hell in this manner. But Lewis does something slightly different. And I imagine it comes from his understanding of the communion of saints. Something we confess each week. If hell is opposed 
to heaven, and therefore the opposite of heaven, then if heaven is the promised land of eternal communion both with God and with our brothers and sisters, the saints, then how would be the complete absence of communion or connection or community? And so Lewis paints a picture where each person is out for their own. And in the process, they can only see other people as objects to be used to gain for themselves. And therefore, each person builds these magnificent cities to their own honor and glory and praise, and they're utterly alone because no one else can stand it. And so they're all alone. Everyone is equally miserable, alone, and disconnected from each other. You think of so many apocalyptic movies and there's only, you know, a sole survivor left. I think of I Am Legend. And that this, this idea of being all alone in the world, some would even consider perhaps a fate worse than death. And we live in an ultra-connected world which is horribly disconnected. And we see then increases in depression and loneliness and, and personal suffering and even death. I mean, never has, has a culture been so rich, it's so lonely and miserable So I come back to that quote, to die is no different than to live alone. And I think it's a haunting quote because when we're alone, it can feel like death. And the more we're disconnected from humans, from other people, the more we slowly die inside. And that's why death hurts. Because it leaves us alone. Because we were made for communion. Even Adam doesn't realize Even Adam doesn't realize who he fully is until Eve is there. And he says, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, at last I'm complete. What does God want for me? He wants you to be in communion with the saints, with him. He wants you to be blessed as we understand it in the Beatitudes today. A a type of, of happiness, of joy, That's deeper than the experience of the now. Yet there's still, this is the joy of God. This is the unbelievable wisdom of God. There's still a blessedness that we experience now. But there's an even greater blessedness waiting for us, coming. And so in the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus tells his disciples, Rejoice and be glad, for the reward, your reward will be great in heaven. See, we are people who look to the future knowing that we are destined for blessedness. And the saints we commemorate today and all those who have gone before us in the faith are already there. Yet we are people that also look to the now. Because now he gives us just glimpses of that experience that we're destined for. Every every time you walk through the doors of this church, you're walking through the gates of heaven. Are you willing to participate real quick? Okay, everyone. I want you to stand if you're a sinner. Okay. Good. You passed the test. Okay, sit down. Okay, I want you to stand if you're a saint. How do you define saint? Everyone stand. Everyone stand. Everyone stand. Now, get up. (laughs) 
We all think a saint is someone who does really great things. You're a saint because God made you holy. You're a saint because God made you precious and pure and perfect in him. You're a saint because he's so good. Yes, we are sinners, but we are saints in Christ Jesus. That's why we are here. You can sit down now. If someone says, are you a saint? You say, yes, I am by the grace of God. It's not about what you've done. It's about who you are in Jesus Christ. You are a sinner who walked through those doors, the very gates of heaven, and receive here what prepares you for the eternal rest in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins. Heaven is a place for saints. That's why we come through those doors, because he makes us saints in this place. He forgives us. Think about your Christian walk. In baptism, what does Jesus do? He forgives your sins. When you hear the word of God preached and proclaimed, what does Jesus do? He forgives your sins. When you hear the absolution spoken, what do you receive? The forgiveness of sins. When you receive the very body and blood of Christ, the Lord's Supper, what do you receive? The forgiveness of sins. It's like Jesus believes we have the attention span of goldfish. But why? Because he knows we need it. Because that's what makes us holy. It's the very thing that that restores those separations and those divides that we've created or that has been inflicted upon us. I mean, all communities rally around something. Sport teams and and clubs and gatherings, they all rally around something. We, as Christians, rally around the forgiveness of sins we receive in Christ Jesus. That's something we all have in common. We're all forgiven sinners. We're forgiven, each and every one of us, and we're destined for eternal bliss with Christ. And so when you enter that door, you are entering through the gates of heaven. And it's in this place where the kingdom of God comes down to us. In this place that heaven comes to show us what we're meant for. Through the word and water, through bread and wine, becoming for us holy things so that we ourselves become holy. And this is the communion of saints. Because if in this place heaven meets earth, And if God in this place comes down to touch man, the place is very self upon our lips and in our mouths, then in this place all heaven comes to join. All those who are with the Lord. As we have on the back wall, you'll see the shields of the apostles and the evangelists. And they're set there to remind us that the whole company of heaven joins us in this moment around the altar of our Lord to worship our God, to pray and to praise and to give thanks. They remind us that the apostles are here this morning joining us for worship, but not just them. Your mother, your grandpa, your child, your spouse. They are here now worshiping with us. Because here, the forgiven gather. Those in the past and those in the present. Here we join together in this beautiful and powerful communion. I want to show you a a video of a depiction of this artist's depiction of heaven. It comes from the movie Tree of Life. Anyone ever watched that movie? Welcome to Obscure Reference Day. Last night, one person watched The Great Divorce, one person watched The Tree of Life. It was the same person. The person and I are going to become very good friends. Okay, right? I want to show you this video. It's, it's an it's a interesting video. For me, it was very life-changing. Other people are like, that was weird. But it's about, it's about a boy who's now a grown man, played by Sean Penn, and he enters into the gates 
of heaven. And what I want you to pay attention is to the communion, the reunification. You're going to see his, his dad, who was a tough guy, his dad and his mom. You're going to see his brother, who died at a very young age. You're going to see him, you're going to see him joined together. You're going to see age not matter. There's some interesting things that, that the director does with it. But I want you to pay attention to the reunion experienced. And the music that's going to play in the background is from Hector Beloise's Requiem, and it's the Agnus Dei movement, the Lamb of God. It's just a powerful, haunting, beautiful piece. And so here's just one depiction of the communion of saints. Death is hard because we weren't made for it, but it's something we'll all experience. But what God has joined together, let no one tear asunder, let no one rip apart, let no one separate. And today he comes to join himself to you. As he has to all the saints who have gone before us. Today we gather and sing together with all of heaven the victory song of God who has conquered death and made us one in him. Today we get to experience together a glimpse of what we are all destined for in Christ Jesus. Stand up if you're a saint. Stand up if you're a saint. Amen and amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.